Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Not all black women are the same. We have so many different types of black women with so many different interests. And not all of us look the same. Not all of us practice the same things and enjoy the same things or whatever the case may be. And just understanding the uniqueness that comes with not only being a black woman, but is within black women in general, I think is also something that can kind of hold us back from each other, but also hold people back from us because we have this one routine look of what Black womanhood looks like. It's not, doesn't have to be one of great strife and Mm -hmm. strength and having to be angry, having to break down barriers. There's, it's okay being the shy Black girl, the quirky Black girl, the um, alternative Black girl, whatever Black girl you want to be, you can be it without that denying the fact that you are still very much a Black woman. 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 Very much a Black Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Winfield, say welcome back, welcome back. Welcome bro. back, that's, welcome that's back. That's arts line. You I, got, I'm you sorry. Got, I, I, listen, again, this is my first do? time. <laughs> you, this is not your first time. First time in arts chair it is. Yes, listen, it is. Listen, Wild Black family. Y'all know Winfield Murray by now. He's been here several times. He is the quarterly co-host of Wild Black, and he has brought back more dynamic, amazing youth to impress you. Last week, we talked, we chatted with the men of Morehouse. The, it's future men of Morehouse, right? Before, if, if you haven't graduated, you're a future man of Morehouse? Or you, you are a man of Morehouse, and then after you graduate, you're a Morehouse man. Really? Yes. Hmm. I, I, I fucked that all up. A little bit, yeah. Okay. A little bit. It's all right. Yeah. People, 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 people <laughs> give me some grace. People give me some grace. So we had the brothers from Morehouse. I'm just going to put it that way. Okay. So I messed nothing up last week. And if you did not check out that episode, please go back and peep it out. They laid down some amazing perspective on a bunch of topics. But this week, I, what, what do I say? Are, are they women of Spelman? Spelman? What, what? Spelmanites is what they say. Spelmanites? Mm-hmm. So we don't, they don't get no change. They Spelmanites the entire time? No. Spelmanites, while we're at Spelman, Spelman women once we graduate. Shit's already too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you already heard. We, we have Spelmanites and future women of Spelman. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means I got it wrong. She's she tired of arguing with me. You know, just go ahead and say it. But we have got Spelmanites with us today. And I know, well, they've already been told that they have got to perform and outdo these brothers from last week. So this is really the Winfield Murray section of the, of the program. And I'm just excited to jump in. We're going to do this pardon the interruption style just like last week. I've got a bunch of topics we're going to go through, and you're going to hear their powerful perspective. These significant, smart, savvy women, Spelmanites, are here to lay it down, and I could not be more excited. With that, I want to jump in real quick. I'm not even going to try to introduce everyone. I want each of you to tell our listening audience who you are, what year you're in, maybe hitting with a major and what you want to do, something like that, something real light. Sydney, we can start with you, ma'am. All right. My name is Sydney Coggins. I'm a sophomore, rising junior, psychology major, political science minor on the pre-law track at Spelman College. You said that a couple times, hadn't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> dope, dope, dope. Come on. Come on with it, Anna. All right. Good evening, everyone. My Anna name- here making everybody nervous, changing the vibe. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Anyways. <laughs> See what I'm talking about, family? <laughs> My name is Anna Getty. I'm a rising senior sociology anthropology major from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I attend Spelman College, and I would like to be a medical malpractice attorney. Love it, love it, love it. Alexis, please, ma'am. Hi, my name's Alexis. I the way am you looked a... at me, I thought I had messed it up. <laughs> Full name, no. Alexis. Full name. Alexis Dickerson. I am a graduating, soon-to-be Spelman woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, political science major, and I'm from Jersey. And I'm going on to UPenn next year to law school in hopes of becoming a public interest attorney. I'm with that. I don't even know what a public interest attorney is, but I'm with it. Civil it's rights. you're going to make some money. Family advocacy. Let me hold some. Let me get a little change out there right quick. <laughs> how, go look up how much public interest makes. <laughs> Brother Winfield, you want to reintroduce yourself to the audience? They know you, but you know. Absolutely. So my name is Winfield Murray. I'm a professor at Morehouse College. And one thing that the women didn't say is that they are brave and bold. They are all members of the Morehouse Moot Court team as well. So they attend Spelman, but they have joined me in my uh, Moot Court classes over at Morehouse. Love it. You know what? I don't. I don't know that we ever did this. Tell the listeners, what is moot court? What is it? Okay. So you're probably more familiar with mock trial, but moot court mm-hmm. is where you present an argument to a pseudo-Supreme Court. So if you had an attorney that was arguing a case before the Supreme Court, that's what I'm teaching these students to do. And um, Morehouse is the only HBCU that has an undergraduate moot court team. We have advanced to the nationals every year. And in 2015, we um, actually won the nationals. So oh. first HBCU to ever win, first African-American team to ever win. So Love it. the Moot Court team is a strong and vibrant force at Morehouse, and I'm happy to have uh, women from Spelman to also be a part of the team. Um, Spelmanites, brother. Spelmanites, Spelman. I'm sorry, because Anna will get <laughs> Right, me. we don't want that. We don't want that, don't want that work. people are going to be scared of me. <laughs> we don't want that work. All right, so we're going to jump in. The first thing I want to hit you all with is our wild black shit. It's normally three questions. We got three folks, so today's going to be two questions. One is kind of fun, funny, comical, non-serious. And the last is our standard staple question. I'm going to hit you with the first one. I want to answer from each of you. Simple. Future or Russell Wilson? Oh, future. Sure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Every single time. Future, really? Anna, you you like you had something different. Whoa. You looked offended almost. Well, for Sierra. Okay, so we got two futures well, and I one Russell? I don't like how Future acts. I just can't speak on Russell Wilson. I don't know that much about him. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sierra act like she had to pray for that man. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know we met for Sierra. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sierra. Yeah. oh yeah. I mean, this I like Future as a for, for you, for you. Like, if you were going to be dating with. Oh, please. Oh. Nobody want to date Future. <laughs> Sorry, I was very confused with the answers in this room. I that's why I was concerned. I was yeah, like, no. that's why I looked the way oh. I did. I'm like, well. Oh. Um, oh. Right. Well, Russell Wilson doesn't do. Right, no, that's why I was a little confused. Right. It's all good. Oh. It's two it's very good. different well, people. I think we all have to. Reestablish. <laughs> so all, all y'all, all y'all dating future. Got it. No, no. <laughs> please. No. All right, cool. Second question, and and we'll go in in order. Sydney, Anna, Alexis. What do you love most about life while black? What I love most about life while black, I just love the culture attributed to being black. Like, if I mm-hmm. had the option to be born again and be white, I would say no. I, like, I really wouldn't want to be. <laughs> if I die, come back, rate. I better be a black man. <laughs> right. I better, I better be a be. black woman specifically, because just what it is to be a black woman, it's so special. Yeah. Just what we go through as black women. Yeah. And I was just telling somebody the other day, when there seems like there's no solution, a black woman will come up with a solution out of nothing. Yeah. Black so women just, are miraculous. I feel like we're magical, and I, do, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, no doubt, no mm-hmm. doubt. Anna? I would definitely have to echo what Sydney said. I appreciate being black, but I also appreciate being a woman right. even more so. So God bless me Twice, two times. gotcha. Shout out to you. And <laughs> I think that also makes, especially us attending Spelman, even more special because it's like that place that it's literally heaven on earth so that place of like understanding that level of being seen and sincerity that you receive from a black woman I think makes not only me as a black woman most unique but also just being a part of a group of 
people that are just literally what the world needs, but mm. nobody understands yet. Mm. Black women like seasoning. The whole world needs it. <laughs> Alexis, man, what you got? I love what Sydney and Anna say, and I really just am going to echo what they said. I love just the sense of community. Even just one of my favorite memories at Spelman is sophomore year, just every single time I needed to take out my braids, it would be four or five different girls in the middle of the lounge, just all taking out my braids mm-hmm. together. I'm sitting in class, and you're expected to say something smart because you're a Black woman. Mm. Mm. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I love that. I'm glad it wasn't me taking down braids because it would have been a whole bad situation. <laughs> I, I had to do my like daughter. Oh, listen, you, it would be worse. It would be plugged. It wouldn't be smooth. It would be plugged. I had to do my daughter's hair one time. This was probably 11 years ago. My wife went out of town. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. She was late for school. I was late for work, and I put a ball cap on her head. She was crying. I was crying. It was it was atrocious. A ball cap. I had, I, what, I, shit, I had to I had to her hair up. We almost just stayed home until my wife came back. Wow. I went I went to work and talked to every black woman. Listen, 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 listen. Can you come to my house and do my daughter's hair this afternoon? I was recruiting. I'm so serious. All right, y'all ready to get into these questions? Yes. Are y'all really ready to get into these questions? Yeah. All right. They sound ready. They They sound ready. They they are ready. Which one am I asked first? All right. Timekeeper, sir. Yes. Let's get eight minutes on the clock. Okay. All right, here we go. If you believe that there is reciprocal responsibility between black men and black women, what is the black man's responsibility to the black woman? And what is the black woman's responsibility to the black man? I feel like there should be equal understanding between black men and black women. And I feel like um, one of the main problems within the black community is that lack of understanding amongst one another. And I feel like the reasons why some would argue our relationships end up being really toxic or just the dynamic between black women and black men is toxic is because of a lack of understanding or even a lack of respect. And I feel like this conversation was brought up with the death of, um, his name is leaving me, Kevin, Kevin Samuels. Samuels. I feel like the conversation was brought back to light. Um, the disrespect that is brought towards black women by black men. Mm. So I feel like, um, mutual respect should. I'm with it. I'm with it. Mm -hmm. And in an extension to that, the amount of respect, but also this kind of assumed level of responsibility that is placed upon Black women, this like strong Black women schema that we all kind of internalize and take on is the understanding that Black women, you know, they're going to figure it out. We can do it all. You know, they're going to figure it out and make it work for all of us, where it's more of like, we're not given that extension of piety, daily, and or just needing help. So I think that also causes there to be a strain or like a rift and imbalance in sense of responsibility or who do we look to for what amongst the genders? Because it's like, well, black women, you know, they're going to figure it out. They're going to do it all. There is that lack of respect because it's more of like, well, y'all know everything anyway. Y'all going to figure it out anyway. So why do we need to really kind of place who does what when a black woman can do it all? Mm. I also think a lot of times Black women are expected to educate Black men on why they need respect. And I think in the same way, we as Black people expect white people to understand your history and do your reading with Google that is 100% free. 
we expect Black women to just ignore that and to be the people who consistently educate everybody, not just Black men, but white people mm-hmm. and everybody. So, mm. And even with the dynamic between Black men and Black women, it's you hear everyone say, we need to protect Black women, protect our queens. How are you protecting your queen? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like to you? I shouldn't have to tell you how I want to be protected. How do you feel like within your day-to-day life, you could avidly protect me as a Black woman? And what steps are you taking to not only protect the individual Black woman in your life, Mm -hmm. but just Black women as an entity? Like, what are you doing to make sure that Black women's voices are heard, their beings are being saved? Not, oh, yeah, well, my mom and my sister, you know, I'm going to ruffle up my little sister's prom date. No, that's, I mean, yes, that's protecting Black women, but why do you need to protect the Black women that have close proximity mm-hmm. to you? How are you protecting Black women beyond the fact that they're your mom, they're somebody's mom, they're somebody's sister? Like Why do they have to be somebody women. to somebody right. else to be worthy of your protection right. or worthy of responsibility? I think the dynamic between the two, or to kind of go back to the original question, if we look at each other as each other's responsibility, I think that would make the dynamic between the two of us much better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Black men saying that they need to protect Black women, I feel like they contradict themselves Mm -hmm. when they go and say, oh, well, Black men, I mean, Black women act this certain type of way, so we're not going to mess with them. I, I feel like they attribute so many negative stereotypes and archetypes to Black women. Mm -hmm. However, they're not going to let anybody say that about their mama. So it's like, why make it make sense, basically. Why Mm -hmm. are you talking down on Black women, but Black women are the the people, the ones who brought you up and are the reason why you are who you are today? Yeah. Listen. That's an accountability issue. No complaints. I, I, I love it. Question. Was this a riff off of the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett? Sort of thing. I didn't even think about it, but I was going to like add a modifier to the question. Okay. What is protecting black women? I think protecting black women is listening to black women and asking us what we want, not and I, I think Will Smith came from a place of good intentions, but not doing what you think will make a black woman feel better when you're just mm-hmm. protecting your own masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference between you needing to feel like a man as a black man and making sure that your woman feels protected, mm-hmm. safe, and cared about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the biggest thing about black womanhood is just the idea that we aren't heard. So going back to what Alexis said, being just listening is really the best way you can protect us and understanding that, you know, it's more about what we need from you rather than what you want to provide mm. for us. Mm-hmm. So, like, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, I think that did more for him than it did for Jada. Mm. That, yeah, it protected her, but, you know, no one talked about her in that moment. It was you getting up there, Mr. Big, Strong Black Man, mm-hmm. and slapping Chris Rock. I like that perspective. What, what I got from that is protection is individualized. Mm-hmm. You have to have a conversation with me to understand how I view protection, to understand what I might need from you in that moment. Is, is that fair? Yes. And protecting the experiences of that woman, that black woman, and just the experiences that come with black womanhood in general. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. if I flip that on its head and, and I think about some of the points you made earlier about like holistic protection, if protection is individualized, then how does the black man protect all black women? Right. Knowing, knowing he's got a responsibility to, to his wife, his daughter, his mother, right? He's going to feel that. But also knowing that from a race perspective, from a, from a black person in this culture perspective, if, if my responsibility is to protect all of you, how do I do that? Like, what do I, so how do I not get it wrong? I would probably say it begins with holding yourself accountable yeah. as a black man, acknowledging that um, black men in this society are oppressors over black women. Right. And I feel like black men should acknowledge... I, mean, I fall right into the patriarchy. Like, I mean, I'm, right. I'm here too. <laughs> right, exactly. So acknowledging your role as an oppressor to black women, mm-hmm. I feel like that is the first step to protecting black women. And then, like you said, individualizing it, um, catering your protection to a specific black woman based on their particular needs. Mm. 
So I feel like that's where it would begin is holding yourself accountable and can, holding can others we, accountable. Can we fix it? Like, can we, can we turn this thing around? Yeah. I love that. I was hoping you say. So, so my perspective has always been, and some people disagree, some people agree, but as, as black men and black women, right, I, I feel like we are always better together. Mm-hmm. You know, I always feel like that. Now, whether it is a romantic relationship, whether it is a platonic relationship, matters not to me. But I feel like we are designed to be better together, to complement each other, to grow and to do amazing things, like hand in hand. And I, I get so worried, especially like I've got a bunch of friends on both sides, black men and black women. And, okay, cool. And, and what I hear, like at times, it breaks my heart sometimes. It really does. And, and ultimately, you hear them wanting the same thing, but not being able to align. And it is truly heartbreaking. We're out of time on that topic, so I'm going to move to the next one. Are we ready? Yes. yes. I just don't enjoy that first one. I liked it. I did. Anna, you ain't like it? I you did. Say that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you ain't saying that. They jumped. Why you are you looking that. to me? <laughs> you you hey, man. Listen. I loved it. All right, cool. All right, when I say possible reversal of Roe versus Wade, what sparks inside of you? I just—I feel like the first thing to acknowledge is the fact that Roe v. Wade holds precedent in a lot of women's rights um, case, or I don't even know what you would say cases. Come on, moot court, right? So, <laughs> so I feel like it's a problem not only for abortion rights. I feel like it's going to become a problem for women's rights in general. Mm-hmm. I just want to see. I don't want to see, but it's interesting to see how far they're going to take this. Are they going to take this to other aspects of women's rights? Are they going to eventually lead to LGBTQ rights? That's exactly um, what I was thinking. I don't, I don't know. It's really scary. Well, but, let me just step in <laughs> <laughs> and just say women's rights, LGBTQ, IA+, um, minorities in general, mm-hmm. people on the lower end of the socioeconomic rung. Like, I want to hear your thoughts on all of that because all of that is on the table. I think Roe versus Wade, it is an important case because even if you overturn this case, there are still going to be abortions. But women who have the money and anything else to be able to afford to go maybe out the country to a different state to get these abortions, they're going to get it. It's going to be black women and women who don't have the money who die from this or who have the kids and then can't take care of them and then are being berated for being bad single mothers when if they had had the option to not have the child, they would have chosen that. Yeah. I always like, Winfield, to your point, I always look at things like this and I wish we could stop looking at things from like these, these cones, right? Or, right. or, or the, these, these, these cones of silence because I feel like any marginalized group, any oppressed group, That's if right. you watch the rights be stricken from another, just wait. Absolutely. Your turn is coming. Your turn is coming up. And to your point, Alexis, I like what you said. You know, will people, will mothers be able to afford these children um, if they aren't able to get abortions, right? And the same people that are behind banning abortions, are these the same individuals that will um, try to strip social welfare programs, right? So that's another aspect. Because those two usually don't go hand in hand. The same people that want to ban abortions aren't usually the biggest advocates for social welfare, welfare programs. Well, mm-hmm. if you strip the social welfare programs, now you have more children to go into a prison system, into the mm-hmm. foster care system, and that's just going to make more money. For who? A lot of the people behind this. Mm. Mm. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because, again, you're going to be criminalized for getting rid of the baby or to be criminalized for keeping a baby that you cannot support. And actually, let me just rephrase that. Pro-life people cannot be pro-life when you do not support the lives of the people that are already here. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're not, bla- you're, you're all lives matter, but you're also pro-life. That's not really a fair exchange when we have children who have never seen the light of day who are, systemically disenfranchised. We're in the position that we are now because of the very people who want to deny women the right to make an honest choice to be like, hey, I'm not in a position to take care of a, or bring life into this world in a crappy world at that, let alone try to tell them what to do with the life that's already existing. Mm. You don't care about the lives that already exist, let alone one that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. 
a fetus. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's exactly what they want because um, allowing multiple babies who are not going to be supported by their mothers, uh, not at the fault of the mothers, but just right. because the system, like you said, systemically disenfranchised, it feeds into the school-to-prison pipeline, which will, to Alexis's point, feed into the mass incarceration system, which I feel like is exactly what they want. They just want us to be continually put into a position of being out of power or not having any kind of control over our lives. I feel like because we're a threat to them to a certain degree. This is going to be out of place to say, but sitting here talking to you all, I'm lucky to be where I am because I couldn't even say these words they're saying when I was their age. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about this type of shit. I, I ain't going to tell you what I was focused on. But systemically disenfranchised, I think I learned to say that like two years ago. I think I just got there. I just got there. All right, so it's staying, staying on that topic, are you all surprised that we're having this conversation? Are you surprised that we're sitting here in 2022 talking about reversing Roe versus Wade? Um, I'm very surprised, um, especially since I saw something on social media the other day that said that our grandmothers and our mothers now had more rights than we do in 2022. And it's very unfortunate. However, with the fact that I know who we have on our Supreme Court, it's not surprising that they're basically wasting no time to get this push in to... Uh, revoke our rights. Yeah. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't want to say I'm surprised because then it'll make it seem like I'm a pessimist. But it's more so I'm just exhausted of having the same conversation. Mm. Why is it something that is deemed worthy to reverse or look back on. Out of all cases, this is the one you want to refer back to. Mm. <laughs> this is the one you feel like, hmm, maybe we didn't actually get this one right. Yeah. What part of women's rights isn't right? Mm. What's, what part of that is something that needs to be reviewed um, or reversed in that mm-hmm. sense? I'm, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. You got anything for us? You look like you were I... ready to say something. I'm four years ago, I would have been surprised. But after seeing who was purposely put on the Supreme Court for this specific yeah, that's issue, already of a point. Already I'm of a point. not surprised. And it's it's sad because the pessimist part of me does say this is gonna get overturned. They're not gonna change their minds before June. I hope that public opinion can change their mind, but this was quite literally most judges and justices' personal crusade. So Yeah. I want to be surprised. Right? Because if if I am surprised, it means I had the hope that we were better. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm not surprised, to your point. Which, because the last yeah. four years solidified to me who we really are. And it's not like we're not gonna have abortion legals anywhere in America, but there's gonna be people you can't travel from Texas to Jersey to get an abortion because then you're gonna be tried for manslaughter in Texas. Mm. That is that's it's just so rough. Winfield, any thoughts on this one, brother? You know, the only thing that I can say about this is <clears throat> I agree that it is um, hugely disappointing. Um, but I really still feel like the worst is yet to come. I, I feel mm-hmm. like this opens the door for so many decisions that can negatively impact women, people of color, poor people. I'm not even going to say people on the lower end of the socioeconomic rung, let's just call it what it is, poor people, this opens the door. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have to say that when you have a Supreme Court that has, each judge has a lifetime appointment and you're placing people on the Supreme Court that are 47, 48, 50, 51, and they can live to be 92, 96, (laughs) right? Then we're talking about the next 50 years Mm -hmm. of possibly having very conservative decisions that negatively impact the groups that I've already mentioned. And on top of that, you're looking at um, the, 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 the legal system usually follows society. Society leads the change, right? Um, So normally, you know, society gets to a point where they're okay with 
blacks and whites going to the same school and then the judicial system catches up. Society gets to a point where it's okay with gay marriage and then the legal system catches up. But here, it's almost like we have the exact opposite Mm -hmm. of that. You had something? Also in thinking about how our law was constructed, women are criminalized for being birthing human beings. Mm. So when thinking about any legal jargon that we have concerning women's rights, it's placing women not as people worthy of rights. It's placing them as birthing agents to the rest of society who need to be just that. Mm -hmm. So having that access to abortion, like, removes their purpose on this earth, Mm. removes and denies a woman's purpose of being a mother, which is what every woman must aspire to be Mm. for most people. So we must criminalize and limit the ways in which a woman can deny or not deny becoming a mother when that is a woman's sole and whole purpose within this society. These young brothers out here, they're going to have to get their game together. They're going to have to get their act together. Do you hear me? Together. All right. What's the next topic? Let me think. We're going to dip left and have some fun for a moment. (laughs) Y'all ready? All right. It's just just a a little more silly of a topic. Who's winning? City girls or city boys? City girls always going to be up. City girls (laughs) up 15. Period. There really isn't a city boy movement. Y'all, right. trying, like, y'all are trying to make that don't, a thing, don't but it's not. Yeah, city boys I'm, get scammed. I'm, I'm trying to go home. Get their Hellcats driven. Girl, yes. <laughs> I mean, future is y'all city boy. And we already, like, said future is just... <laughs> he got a whole winning. tribe of kids out there. Well. <laughs> well. Him and Nick Cannon. <laughs> right. The future okay. of America gonna look like Nick Cannon. Oh. I'm just gonna keep my head down. <laughs> it's, it's the fact, but, but that's the fact that they like they make us take birth control, but it's men that are out here really overpopulating Niggas the world. In turbans are reproducing. <laughs> I'm saying, yo. That nigga's a turban. Our, our mass reproducing. Yo. And we're worried about abortion. With only Girl, a select certain type of woman. So. Yes. Oh hey, man. You, you just... went in line of the day with that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's how they got Martin. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> part of our audience skews older, part skews younger. For the ones who skew older... What the hell is a city girl and a city boy? I asked the question, but I'm not real, 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 real good on what they actually are. I feel like respectfully, a city girl is just a woman who is constantly on her shit all the time. Like, but like, I don't know. Y'all want to like add to it because I really (laughs) city girl is that's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) City girl is just a girl who is living her best life. Um, Right. She is letting life lead her wherever it wants to. Um, she is not worried about male opinions. Mm-hmm. She's not dressing for men. She's not getting her hair done for men. She's not getting her nails done for men, but she still looks good. So my wife is a city girl because she don't look at me like... You got to ask her. I don't want to look at her city girl. This is not for you. Okay. A city girl can take multiple forms. I feel like... When we say a city girl, we're automatically assuming, oh, we're male bashing. No, they're fun. They're great. Sure. But a city girl is unyielding in what she wants to do for herself Mm. rather than worried about being worried about the next man, what he has to say, what he says about my nails and this, that, and the third. It's just genuinely enjoying yourself and your womanhood rather than enjoying your womanhood in connection to a man. Right. Uh-huh. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. She's not a pick-me. She's not t- a pick-me. Not a pick-me. What the hell's a pick-me? Because pick at first I thought you said pick-me. We'll be me. here all day. Right. Like, uh, so it's... <laughs> oh, I'm, it's, I'm getting educated right now. You align yourself <laughs> or position yourself in a way to get chosen by whomever you're seeking attention from. Oh. So let's say that... But just be a guy. Just be a guy. Okay. And you're just like, man, I hate the city girl movement. City girls, oh, I totally agree. City girls, just like, that movement is just so bad. Like, yeah. oh my God. Mm-hmm. No. 
Saying what or you gotta say to get that attention. Just saying what you have to say yeah. to like get chosen. Or it's like you pretend to so like things that guys me like. Our whole lives, we've been saying yeah. whatever the hell we had to say. Well, you know, <laughs> like if a, if, a, if a guy came in here like, yeah, girl, get your nails done. Don't care about what that man had to say. Okay, that's kind like, of pick me. That's kind that's, of pick me. That's pick me. Mm-hmm. Men are the biggest pick me's, actually. Yeah, with that definition, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. What's a city boy? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Sorry to that man. Then how do you Sorry know the city man. girls are up 15? There's if no you city don't... boys. We're no, that, that we're I'm just listening to Lil Duval always talking about the city boys. City okay. boy, so the city boy mistake. movement was made in opposition of the city girl movement. Yeah. Oh, we always got to be in opposition. Because <laughs> y'all don't want to be left out. Like the city right. girl movement was created just to kind of. So it's, boys, it was like a women's empowerment city thing. Boys and then is like all lives matter then. Yeah. Basically. And men were like, I don't want to be left out. The city boys went out fun too. Y'all been having fun. Like, mm-hmm. no one told you to shut up. Let me have my chance. Like, right. let me have my moment. Yeah. I can I can feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for the next question. <laughs> next question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to that. All right. Okay. 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 The Me Too movement. Has it gone too far or not far enough? Too far. Why? No, no, I'm saying that's like a question. Like, what, what is too far? Yeah. I'm asking y'all. Because there's a lot of perspective out there about it. So, what's yours? I personally don't think it has gone far enough because I have not, I haven't seen any change. Mm-hmm. I, like, personal experience-wise, I still see a lot of my brothers supporting people who are assaulting people and are predators. And mm-hmm. But they the first thing they do is get up on social media and they're like, if my friend did anything to you, let me know personally, and I'll make sure I hold them accountable. And when you tell them, no, not my brand, not my bro, no, never, mm-hmm. never. That's why I like was taken back too far. No, I don't yeah, think it's gone far enough. I haven't even heard of anything happening big with the Me Too movement anytime like recently. So I'm like too far. It hasn't been um, prevalent lately. I and think. even in conversation about sexual assault and harassment, people, they weary themselves of still coming out because they're like, well, well, you know, y'all have those protections now. Do mm. we? Do we? Like, do we fully? Even with the Me Too movement going on, right. do we really fully have those protections and those rights that are supposed to be given to us but are not with this movement? So I don't think it's gone far enough at all. You know, saying rights that are supposed to be given to us actually make me think something. Like, so staying in this kind of vein of Roe versus Wade and now Me Too, should we be waiting for rights to be given to us? Mm. Like, should we wait to, to receive them? No. No. Um, I think we should be demanding it, especially from our institutions, specifically— um, a particular institution in the AUC does not hold its students accountable for uh, sexual assault cases, rape cases, the way that they should be. It's more of a push it under the rug kind of thing. And so really? there have, yes, and there have been movements um, within among students who have been trying to push, um, I think it's Title IX, to do its job and actually hold these students accountable because it leaves uh, women or men who have been assaulted to just feel like their feelings about their assault or their assault wasn't valid. Mm. Or Can I chime in on this one? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about when I listen to you all talk is that, first of all, I, I wanted to know if you're if you believe that the Me Too movement offers the same protections to in the black community as it does to white victims, right? Okay. Um, and then because what I also notice is that sexual predators, not just in the AUC, but across college campuses nationwide, are not treated equally, especially when the victim is a person of color. Mm-hmm. So even if we look at the Brock Turner case, who was Stanford and six months in jail and he only served three, the victim that. in that case was an Asian woman. Would his story have been different had the victim been a white woman? I don't know. How do you think that the Me Too movement impacts women of color, black, Asian, 
You tell me. I think all women's movements, and Me Too would be included, disproportionately protect white women and bring their stories to the front when, yes, white women are oppressed for being women, but they don't have that intersecting intersecting identity of being a Black woman and facing even more oppression. I think that Black women is— I'm pretty sure Black women are assaulted at higher rates than white women. I also think Black women probably reported less because you don't always have the same protections that a white woman would in terms of just being able to afford an attorney, just maybe support from your community and support from people around you to go through something like that. And even more so when thinking of Black women and just other women who are non-white, Mm-hmm. White women are in a position to lose far less than any woman of color could ever be when speaking out against sexual assault. Mm-hmm. You're not facing the fact that you now have to take time away from your job to maybe go to trial against your um your abuser. You're not you're not sacrificing that. Whereas white women, they have the liberty to one, speak up about it and it kind of that just be it. You're not necessarily having to relive it or have to necessarily convince your community or even just the people within power that this even happened to you. For women in general, it's definitely something where you would have to go through this level of denial or people try to question you. But I think for Black women, it's one of those things of like, are you sure? Are you not crazy? Is this, you know, something that actually happened to you? Mm -hmm. Or like, what was your proximity to him? And was this warranted? Not saying those things cannot happen to a non-Black woman, but I think there are heightened levels of those things because the stories of Black women, the whole purpose. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. We're not here, but just trying to like drive home is the stories of Black women are not heard. The experiences are not acknowledged. So when going to the point of talking about Me Too, Black women are removed from those conversations because mm. we're primary victims in understanding that or two abusers because no one's going to listen to us. No one's going to listen to a black woman. Mm. So why not do something to a black woman knowing that her story is not going to be heard? Whether she chooses not to share or whether other people not choose not to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the history, too, of women of color being hypersexualized. Yeah. I mean, that also plays a role in whether your story is believed. I mean, we've had black women who have come forward who have said, you know, I was sexually assaulted and in a criminal case and the jury didn't believe the black woman because they thought that she was sort of asking for it, that she was sexually promiscuous, that she that same stereotype of hypersexualizing women of color still exists. I was just going to say that the over-sexualization of black women starts very early. And you can see in schools, dress code is very much catered towards hiding um, the natural black woman's Mm -hmm. body. Uh, So in my school in particular, we were not allowed to wear leggings. um, And they usually enforced it more on black women because uh, the black women had more going on. Unfortunately, (laughs) we have more going on. So I feel like the reason why black women aren't being protected to this degree for sexual assault cases is because we're often blamed for the way our body is naturally Mm -hmm. or um, and you can even see on social media, little little black girls being sexualized just for the clothes that they're wearing. And it's it's really gross. It's really disgusting. Yeah. 
So one of one of the arguments in Me Too, and I want your 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 opinion on this as well, is the potential weaponization of it and collateral damage. So the question I have is, we see this often when there is a negative to something that's happening, but there's a potential for so significant positive. Right in this case, is that okay? And 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 I've seen this parallel. John, I don't think it's the best parallel, but. People love to talk about Jay-Z and all that he's doing for the culture today, all the money he has now. But it started tearing his community down inside of drugs, right? So is what the good he can do today, does it outweigh the bad he did yesterday? And so does the potential good that, that Me Too can lead to, does it make the potential weaponization and collateral damage okay? How do we balance that? I feel like I think it's tough because the world's not perfect. Right? Yeah, and I feel like to some degree the Me Too movement has been weaponized or um, misused, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not fair to focus more on that and more on like not villainizing women for speaking out because yeah. the main problem is the fact that we're being scrutinized whenever we come out about something, so it Great makes point. more women less comfortable to yeah. speak out. So I feel like we should be focusing less on the possible, um, the possibility of women neglecting the Me Too movement yeah. and more on why the Me Too movement became a thing in the first place. Yeah. I also look at it like, I, th- I think about if the voices that say the collateral damage is too severe, one, who are those voices, right? And then two, if those voices win, what's the other option, right? What is, what is the other place to stand to fight for the women who have been sexually abused. And that's, it's, it's always the, the tough part. It's like, how do, mm-hmm. we, how do we sacrifice maybe the few for the many? But I also don't think we have a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, it happens over and over. Every battle, every war, there's always collateral damage of some sort. Right. I feel like there's always going to be somebody who abuses the possible um, benefits of a movement. Yeah. You could see from the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement of 2020, yeah. um, people who had nothing to, to do with the movement were out there on the streets looting stores, which uh, caused the Black Lives Matter movement to have a bad name. So I feel like that's always going to happen, but yeah. I, um, the most important thing is why that movement became a thing yeah. and focusing on... Uh, I guess, the benefits yeah. of the movement. I absolutely love talking to you all. Absolutely love it. Okay. We've talked about a bunch of topics. And if we are to consider them all in this moment, women's rights, sexual abuse, even throw in social justice and civil rights, if each of you had the power to bring back one person, Influential leader, civil rights, artist, author, poet. It could be whomever you want. Who would you bring back? And what movement do you think they would further? Um, bring it back Asada Shakur. All right. Talk yeah. to me. And, and, and why? Let me get that and why in there. It's important. I, I personally, Asada Shakur has been like an icon for me since I was in like high school. Mm-hmm. I think she would have so much to say about the Black Lives Matter movement. I think that so many people have co-opted that movement into a more center-left movement when that was never the point of it. And I think she would bring it back to its roots. I think she would further what Angela Davis says about police Mm. abolition. And I think she'd be out on those streets fighting. What we got? What we got? What we got? Uh, I, I can go, go next. Ahead, um, <laughs> I would bring back Nina Simone because okay, she was— Nina? Yeah, she was the most unapologetic about her standpoint on the civil rights movement. And she was not afraid to speak her mind on uh, the issues going on within the black community with regard to um, police brutality and— things like that. So I feel like she would bring a lot of attention to the issues uh, pertaining to the Black community. Um, and she would do it unapolog- unapologetically and without um, without a filter because she had no filter. And I love that about her. I just got to say that I absolutely love that question and I love these responses. And I'm going to tell you why after I hear Anna's response. Okay. I think I would bring back Bell Hooks. I love her literary work, Mm -hmm. and I think she's super all-encompassing 
of understanding what intersectionality is and how to put that in a palatable reading excerpt, I guess, if you will, for not only the people who want to be educated, who like, teach me, teach me your story. Right. For the people who need that, but also in just understanding and reminding the people who are on the front lines, understanding why we are striving towards these things, of understanding what it means to be a woman, what it means to be someone of the LGBTQIA plus community. I think she is super, super great at verbalizing what that means and how that looks in a society that's ever-evolving, that's ever-evolving, but also still very restrictive. Um, Yeah, so I would bring back Bell Hooks. Okay, so I just got to say that I love those responses because I'm going to say something that's not going to be well-received by the attorney community. But one of the things that really bothers me about where we are now is that we sort of don't have social activists in the way that we used to. So now we sort of have these attorneys that come and, you know, they stand in the line for the social activists. But the problem is, is that they move from one case to the next case and, you know, okay, we've reached this settlement, now move into this case. Whereas a social activist is just dedicated to championing the rights of those in need, right? Um, And I'm also going to play this game and say that if I could bring back anyone, it would be Shirley Chisholm. Because Mm. I just, you know, I live by so many of her quotes and her book and and things that she said and the way that she sort of um, saw politics. And, you know, I have to say that in a lot of ways, I'm disappointed with politicians that we have today. And I would really like to have someone that was really dedicated to doing good work mm-hmm. and not just the attention of being in a public office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a question on top of that. <laughs> and feel free to take a few seconds to think about what this answer may oh, be. And I want to ask all four gracious. of you on this one. What's that? Good gracious. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. We, we, we don't do bad here. I'm going to call this create a quote, right? And so for each of the people that you just named, I want you to consider this. They're back. They've had 90 days, six months, a year to do nothing but soak up the current situation, to soak up this ecosystem that we're in, to soak up the environment of the movement that you brought them back to change. They haven't contributed. They haven't spoken. They have just soaked it up. And they're at the moment where they are about to make their first address. They're going to speak their first words, right? Create a quote. What is Nina Simone's quote? I want each of you to ask, like, what does she say? So, because she's so unfiltered. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, that's a hard question. What? I feel like because Nina Simone is so unfiltered, I feel like her very first words would just be, what the hell is going on? Like, you know, I just, you, know you want to say what the fuck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what the I, hell? I'll translate it for you. I think... <laughs> think that'll be, yeah. All right. That's it. All right. Who's up next? It's, 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 it's on y'all. Boy, we just quiet in here right now. <laughs> well, you told us to take a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Take, take your time. I just feel like because Asada was just so unspoken in her beliefs, and she was quite literally fighting against police brutality 50 years ago. Yeah. Like, I, she, I think she say something like, I went to Cuba for this. Like, mm-hmm. is this shit still happening? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Nothing's changed. Mm. Well, I think she would talk about, she would probably say, mm. our beloved community is still in shambles. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I actually think you, you kind of chose words that she might actually choose to. Because she's a little softer. I think that's perfect, actually. Yeah, she's a little softer. Mm -hmm. So she's like, our beloved community is still, like, lost. Mm -hmm. So I think that Shirley Chisholm would probably say, um, as both a Black person and a Black woman, I will not stand by and allow communities to continue to suffer and to be marginalized. 
And if that requires me to stand up for the rights of those who are voiceless, then that's what I'm here to do. I think that would be very much in line with what she said while she was alive. And I think that where we are today really isn't too much better, mm-hmm. if yeah. better at all. Mm-hmm. I loved that. that. I think that all of the people we mentioned would be like extremely disappointed <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. to be like. I agree. It ain't much better than when I was here. So I want to go back to dying or being dead. Oh. (laughs) I'm going to go back up yonder. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all made me leave heaven for this? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Lord. All right. So I've got like two more questions. And, and, And for these two, forget about the time. As quick or as slow as you want to. The first one is, is this. What do you believe to be the most significant barrier to black women's progression today? I guess I can start. I feel like among black women, while we are a sisterhood within Spelman and outside of Spelman, I feel like there's just an air of competition that is preventing us from having the unity that will allow us to uh, gain the liberation that we could gain at some point Mm -hmm. with the proper unity. I'm with it. I'm with it. I will say, well, one of the things I'll say is other people realizing that we're not people to be played with. I think ourselves, I think we as Black women could benefit from understanding that we hold great power. Mm. We are the very people that others need and definitely utilize, but we are the people that we need too. Um, and understanding that if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's, that's something that no one can take away from you. No one can give you the experience of being black. No one can give you the experience of being woman. So having that kind of double powerhouse kind of superpower is something you need to walk into every room and understand that that's the very thing that makes you special because these very things are the things that make my experience unique. So this is the very thing that I'm going to add. So anytime someone asks, what can you add to this company, to this, or da-da-da-da, I bring the fact that I'm a black woman and you don't have one or you don't have enough. Mm -hmm. And understanding that that's not something to be played with on top of the other talents we have individually, um, I think that's probably the greatest thing, understanding our power and making sure other people understand our power too. I'm with it. I'm with it. I think I would say sometimes a lack of unity. I think that there can be so many, which also I think can kind of feed into the competition. There can be so many different perspectives that different Black women have. And I think trying to force them all into one category and funnel all Black women's experiences and make them singular Mm -hmm. can hurt the community because one Black woman may have had a completely different experience than others, but both of their experiences are still extremely valid and still need to be listened to and heard and taught about. Yeah. Yeah. And to add, understanding that Black women and Black womanhood is not a monolith. So even at Spelman, not all Black women are the same. We have so many different types of Black women with so many different interests and not all of us look the same. Not all of us practice the same things and enjoy the same things or whatever the case may be. And just understanding the uniqueness that comes with not only being a Black woman, but is within Black women in general, I think is also something that can kind of hold us back from each other, but also hold people back from us because we have this one routine look of what Black womanhood looks like. It's not doesn't have to be one of great strife. and. Mm-hmm strength and having to be angry, having to break down barriers. There's it's okay being the shy black girl, the quirky black girl, the um alternative black girl, whatever black girl you want to be, you can be it without it having without that denying the fact that you are still very much a black woman. Mm, I think that's the episode intro. I love that. You ready for the last question? Mm-hmm. A little bit of a thinking question. Are we read. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but what what Outside of City Boy, City Girl, everything's been a thinking question. (laughs) 
you find yourself single-handedly responsible for the future of black women in the world. All of them, right? In this moment, every one of them is looking towards you directly and individually for guidance, for inspiration, for motivation. The words you speak are heard by every single one of them, and no one can turn you off. What do you tell them? I would focus on black children because I feel like one of the main things that plague black women is how our children are treated Mm. and the setbacks that our children face. So... I would probably, if I had the power to, I would promise Black women that our children will be okay. And I would pave a way for our children to avoid the prison industrial complex, to avoid racial discrimination in our society, police brutality. If I had the power to, I would ensure that our Black children were okay. Love it. Love it. Who's hopping in second? I think I would just echo words of just confidence Mm -hmm. in yourself to just all Black women in general, because I think when you walk into a room and you feel like people are looking at you as you're less than, it can plague you a lot and it can really turn down your confidence. And I think that if all Black women were able to feel exactly the same as a white man applying for a job that he is not qualified for and he doesn't even have his degree yet, I think black women will be unstoppable. Mm. Mm. The confidence of a mediocre white man. Mm. Mm. I love it. I think that I would make sure that every black woman and girl, or just black person in general, but definitely black women and girls understood that you are worthy now. You do not have to wait. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone to deem yourself worthy of the things that you want to attain in this life. You don't have to go through hell and back to be worthy of the love that you deserve. You don't have to fail at every feat to be worthy of the job that you are, you know, or the career that you're aspiring to get. You don't have to um, sacrifice and lose yourself to be worthy of the very things that you want out of this life. You're worthy now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, you know, lose yourself or deny yourself the great joys of this life for somebody else or something else. It's all attainable and worthy to you in this very moment. I love everything you all said. This has been an absolutely amazing episode. I'm going to close out the show, and we always do it this way. We always give the microphone to our guests to give the final word. So in this moment, you can tell the listening audience anything that's on your heart to share with them. What I do ask is you remind them who you are, where you're going, and maybe how they can follow you or engage with you. And then we'll be out of here. Order is up to you all. My name's Alexis Dickerson, and I'm a graduating senior at Spelman. I think I would just tell the listeners, I think, give more love out to each other. I think that as a Black community in general, we focus on giving, especially our children and people around us, tough love. Mm. But we already get so much of that from the outside world. So I think we really need to focus more on loving and nurturing each other. Mm, love that. You guys can follow me um, on Instagram. Well, I, don't, I, I should say LinkedIn it. LinkedIn, too. You're on LinkedIn. You can follow me on <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> you, you should. <laughs> His favorite platform. Alexis Dickerson. <laughs> and um, on Facebook, um, Alexis Dickerson. My name is Anna Getty. I'm a rising senior at Spelman College. And my final words would be to give yourself grace as well as one another. Um, blackness is beautiful, but it's also something that I think we've been taught to acknowledge the hardship that comes with being black, but just acknowledging and giving yourself grace and acknowledging the beauty that also comes with being black, I think can make each day a little bit easier. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Anna Getty. O-N-N-A-G-E-D-D-I-E um, and other social media platforms. Love it. Miss Sydney. Hi. My name is Sydney Coggins. I'm a rising junior at Spelman College. And I would just want to emphasize putting our differences aside in the Black community um, among 
all different um, forms of intersectionality, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, if you identify as queer, uh, putting your differences aside, focusing on unity. Um, yeah, and that's it. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Sydney Coggins Prelo. Um, you know you got to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> that's S-Y-D-N-E-E. Coggins, C-O-G-G-I-N-S dash P-R-I-O-L-E-A-U. There we go. There we go. Winfield, brother, you want to say anything on the way out? The only thing I have to say is, you know, I know that this term or phrase is used a lot, and you mentioned it at the top of the show, Sydney, about um, sort of that Black women are magical. I have to say that sitting in this room, I do feel like each one of you said abracadabra. I do feel like there was there is magic in this room. And, you know, sometimes when I do get disenchanted about what the future looks like, I hear a conversation like this and it really does give me hope. So thank you. Did we do better than the boys? <laughs> we did. <laughs> <laughs> I won't peacefully field. leave. But I will say I am. So happy to have had this time with each of you all. Winfield said it right. This, this is hope-building kind of conversations, and, and I love it. And I look at my 13-year-old daughter, and, and I can't wait to see the woman that she becomes. And, and you all make that easy to dream what that would be like. With that, Wild Black, peace. We out. Love you. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.